Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week, we are recapping Gilmore Girls Season 4, Episode 3, titled The Hobbit, The Sofa, and Digger Styles. The episode bio is Emily redecorates Rory's dorm room without her permission. Lorelai and Suki cater a kid's birthday party with a Lord of the Rings theme. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Lord of the Rings! <laughs> I know. What were your thoughts on this episode? I was thinking about this episode as our first kind of like true multi-location episode. Mm -hmm. You know, like we've got Stars Hollow, we've got the Yale, and then we actually have our first like storyline without Lorelai or Rory, I felt, with the Gilmore and the Jason stuff. I was trying to think back like, I don't know if we've ever had a plot line that didn't involve one of the two of them or at least not even a stars hollow main member like there's probably been some luke stuff without them but i felt like that was pretty major but all in all i felt like they pulled it off like i i know the device of like the phone call i is could have felt a bit um forced but it felt natural to me um and we had enough like with Rory and Lorelai at the start and the end together. So I feel like it all kind of came together. Everyone was having like parties or social gatherings, so similar happenings, but I enjoyed it. I just felt overall like happy to be in college, to be honest. Um, How about you? I love this episode. I think all our listeners can imagine why. (laughs) As a huge uh, Lord of the Rings fan, I loved every moment of that party. And a lot mm-hmm. of my nominations this episode will go to something relating to the party. Surprise, surprise. But I totally agree having the first real episode split. They did a really good job. And I think it kind of is uh, indicative of how they are good at splitting for the rest of the series. Because there's really, even when Lori, Rory, even when Rory's back at Stars Hollow, it's still split. There's really no full Stars Hollow episodes anymore Mm -hmm. without Yale somewhere in there so yeah it's a good sign obviously we know that it goes well (laughs) because we've said multiple times that this is one of the few shows that makes the college transition well Um, but this is just a good episode to show that I also I really liked the Lorelai and Suki stuff Mm -hmm. although I'm glad that they don't like continue doing the catering stuff (laughs) I I I don't know I like their interactions but I like them better when they're in a in agree for some reason it's where they're meant to be (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) okay before we get into the episode itself we'll do our talking fast segment and you are going first this week and I will pull up my timer for you. We'll see how it goes. It's been a little while since I watched this episode this time, so. Same. We did postpone recording, so we're both yeah. a bit <laughs> rusty, but perhaps we'll find that's actually the missing ingredient. Yeah. Somehow. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> All right. On your mark, get set, go. So Rory is at Yale and Paris is attempting to make friends with the people in the building and there's like a weird party thing happening and she's pressuring Rory to take part. Um, meanwhile in Stars Hollow, Suki and Lorelai are deciding to do catering stuff and they cater 
a kid's birthday party that I have a lot of thoughts on that's Lord of the Rings themed. Suki finds out that she has no idea what kids like to eat and freaks out about being a mom and Richard and uh, Jason Stiles strike a deal and it's going to be bad. Nice. <laughs> I guess it's not necessarily going to be bad. It's just going to be a roller coaster. It will. Jason I think roller coaster is a good way to describe it. <laughs> okay. Are you prepared to go? Sure. Okay. Ready? Set? Go. There are two parties in this episode. The first party of the year at Yale. There's also the first week of classes. So Rory's kind of going. She meets Marty. Um, she does end up agreeing to have their room open for the party. She runs into Madeline and Louise, of all people. Marty is naked at the end. So college experience is bound for her. Richard, I'm oh, sorry, the other party's birthday party. We kind of covered that. And Richard and Jason are going into business to say fuck it to the dad guy. <laughs> uh, pardon my French. <laughs> I think that actually maybe a week between watching and recording is like we both did pretty well. <laughs> right. Maybe we need it to be in our long-term memory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Usually I get bogged down by like details and I can't remember that many details until we start like looking at notes and stuff so maybe that helps yeah okay so to get into things for this episode we start off with Lorelai back at Yale it almost feels like it's just the second episode again where Lorelai is bringing Rory all sorts of decor things but she has a rug that she's bringing and she also has some treats from Suki and Luke which is nice Mm -hmm. there's a lot of food in this episode I kind of liked it I agree. I thought that this is interesting knowing what I know about Emily redecorating coming up that both Emily and Lorelai are trying to decorate Rory's room but in different fashions like Mm -hmm. Lorelai is much less of a degree of the out going beyond the bounds of like permission right because she doesn't necessarily ask for Rory's permission to bring that rug but like she brings it while Rory is there and Rory could say no to the rug and uh, I just found it interesting that both of them have the same impulse yeah that's a good point I hadn't thought of that they're both like in their own ways trying to help Rory take control of the space (laughs) exactly yeah although Lorelai in less of an invasive way for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And probably more aligned with Rory's tastes as well <laughs> than Emily. Yeah. Um, I had my first nomination in the scene. Speaking of taste, my Lorelai's closet goes to Rory here. She is wearing a forest green shirt, like t-shirt, and then over top of that, a tank top that is like striped beige and green. And I knew I I kind of like questioned her taste last episode a bit with that polo so I just want to say um this is another another um moment of her college fashion I guess where we're starting to see like what will she be wearing day-to-day in college and I really loved this look I feel like this look is currently in now I see a lot of people wearing white t-shirts underneath dresses though the past few years I've seen that kind of so I thought it looked even trendy in a way. The fashion of yeah. the early 2000s coming back. Yeah. All the layering <laughs> and everything. Except yeah, like layering. Yeah. The difference is like Rory's layers are like fitted. And I feel like currently mm. layers are more all a bit relaxed fit, like looser, yeah. you know, which I'm a fan of. Much more comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> 
I also had a nomination in this scene. It's for what Rory is doing this first week in Yale. She's doing a shopping week at Yale, which is going to any class <laughs> and then deciding what you want to take. And I gave this my Friday night dinner nomination. Um, oh, interesting. For kind of a personal pettiness reason. Not because I don't think it's a good idea to like figure out what you're actually interested in before you really commit to a class. But as the teacher to one of these classes, we had like a two week basically shopping period at, at uh, our university where like people could add and drop classes for two weeks at the beginning of every semester. And it messed so much stuff up. Like people would come in at the end of two weeks wanting to catch up with the class but you have to start teaching right away and doing assignments right away because you only have 16 weeks every semester so I understand the need for experimentation but I wish there was a different way to do it that didn't completely disrupt learning and teaching like Mm -hmm. there needs to be more of a like uh a class fair or something the week before classes start where all the <laughs> all the classes are out there with their syllabus and stuff. I know that that would never happen, but that would be, I feel like, a better way to do this. I just, I don't know, I was bitter from my past experiences. <laughs> what, Tell me how did you, you really have any? Feel. Did you have any thoughts about shopping week? Ironically, I gave this my out of our Ivy League nomination. <laughs> I've felt very positively about it, maybe thinking from the lens of the student. So I'll explain that in a minute. But quickly, this is our new nomination related to anything that seems very Yale, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. This could be something that feels a little unrelatable, hence the pun of it's out of our Ivy League because we both are very, you know, state (laughs) public school type people. Uh, I Kind of. I Well, essentially, even private schools aren't quite at the level of Ivy League. So that is the spirit of this new nomination. And the reason I gave Shopping Week this is because I thought it was like, oh, that seems like such a fancy thing that Yale could offer. Like, I've never heard of that at other places. And I thought I could be wrong. Maybe it's a common thing. But I thought it sounded really, I interpreted it as like, a preschool week where like none of them are enrolled yet and so it kind of is like the extended career fair like you said and then they start teaching and instruction like the following week once students have like enrolled and then maybe they don't have that ad drop period or maybe it's really short so I think we both had very similar sentiments um but in my like reading of it I was thinking like oh I I like that and as a student like I was so like Rory where it's like I had such a like a long list of classes Mm -hmm. I wanted to take you know and I was so into school and I would have loved to be able to like go around and like be able to pick my classes based on you know going and seeing them and stuff so yeah yeah I I gave (laughs) it the opposite of a Friday night dinner almost (laughs) my my comeback to that is I don't know that this is an official thing. Mm. Shopping week, I feel like it's a student-driven thing. Like oh, students like have just decided, term. yeah, that the first week doesn't count, so you can shop around. <laughs> but maybe that's my oh. bitterness speaking again. I don't know. Yeah, but I think we're like you're coming from pessimism. I'm coming <laughs> from optimism, and so we're reading this 
we're reading it in different ways, but both like from our similar informed experiences, which is funny. I do want, yeah, maybe it is like syllabus week mm-hmm. is shopping week and that it's not really just syllabus week, but that is how people view it. That's how they treat it. So that's curious. Yeah. I'll be, you know, maybe our listeners can tell us if they had like an actual sort of shopping week or if this is a classic, like everyone treats the first week as though <laughs> it isn't beginning school yet, even though it does begin. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Though, to be fair, as an instructor, at least the first class period, I kind of like it was just syllabus day. I didn't Agreed. put much weight in it because everybody's nervous. I was nervous. I just like wanted to get through the day. <laughs> yeah. First day is syllabus day for me as well. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The other major parts of this opening scene are that we meet Janet, the third roommate, which must mean I was looking at the doorways <laughs> in the room. I think that Janet and Tana share a room and then Rory and Paris and then they have a bathroom, though it it felt like they were implying Roy would have like a unit bathroom with everyone because it was kind of about her sharing a bathroom. But I feel like it's sweet style because they have a third door unless that's a closet. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. But yeah, I feel like you're right. But then there's also the like, why did Rory go out into the hallway at the end of the night if not to go yeah. to the bathroom? But I feel like it would. Yeah, it would be a sweet style. How- how- why else would you have that set up? Yeah, maybe it's a closet or maybe Tana and Janet paid extra to have sep- like singles. Oh, yeah, but that'd be nice. That'd be such a weird room setup. Yeah. I'll keep an eye out. I'll be a detective <laughs> on the architecture of their dorm. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's Terrence's room. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was wondering where Terrence lived, yeah. honestly. does he, what like I was wondering what Paris pays him, you know? Like, does he have a really big salary so he's living well or not? I mm-hmm. don't know. And uh, the final component of this scene is Lorelai's kind of sixth sense of feeling like she just says, my mother's been here. And Rory doesn't believe her, but Lorelai says the room smells like guilt and Chanel number five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's right somehow. She's right. She just knows. Mm-hmm. But I I mean, there are some perfumes that really do linger. So maybe she's just got a specific nose for it. Mm-hmm. After this opening scene, we're still at Yale and Rory is doing her shopping stuff. So she goes to a class. Um, she mentions later what this class is, but I completely forgot to write it down. It's some sort of literature, like obscure literature thing. Did you write it down? I think it might have been Japanese literature. Oh, ah, okay. I mean, that would be really interesting. Yeah, I remember thinking it was specific, you know. Yeah, niche. But she goes into this classroom and I wish (laughs) our college classrooms were like this they're so nice it's like Mm -hmm. got this huge oval table nice comfy looking chairs and so it's like for a literature class it's the perfect setup everybody's facing each other so you can have a really good discussion I know for other classes it might not be ideal but Mm -hmm. for a lit class that would be perfect and she's sitting there she's obviously gotten there super early um she almost gets up to leave and then another person comes in who is marty who we'll see multiple times again and they sit there in silence awkward silence and the ta well i kind of assumed it was a ta this older student who comes around to like drop off all of the 
syllabus syllabi and he leaves so i was like i don't think that was the professor yeah but he kind of looks at them and then mutters freshman before leaving so we get the second episode in a row this like anti-freshman sentiment of you know teasing freshman which whatever but yeah (laughs) but i just i wish my students were as punctual and eager as brory Mm -hmm. i appreciate her enthusiasm and when she got up i actually think she was looking for she was thinking about a new seat oh okay she was trying to like pick the perfect seat i think yeah that makes sense either way any seat is good in that classroom because as you said i was like drooling yeah it's beautiful and all of those windows like don't take a window for granted i've taught in a basement before so really nice (laughs) especially if the window can open so you can have some fresh air Mm mm-hmm I am a, I was a student who would get to class super early, but I thought Rory was particularly brave for actually going into the classroom. I would, right. I'm like those uh, TikToks of like the dad at the airport where you, you get to the airport and just like check that your gate is there and then you can go and chill out. I like get to mm-hmm. a classroom, just make sure that it's there and then just basically stand outside the door until other people go in. Right. I yeah I agree I think I was pretty punctual but I don't recall like what my situation was when I would actually enter but um the next Yale scene in this day after Rory has probably gone to a few different classes during shopping week she returns back to her room uh someone mentions Russian economic sucks on <laughs> as she goes into her room so duly noted yeah and this is when Rory finds out that Lorelai was correct and Emily had been in her room apparently probably measuring the space because she returns and her whole room is transformed <laughs> in very much Emily style yeah. like I don't really know how else to describe it like floral stuffy brocades. yeah yeah extravagant luxurious mm-hmm. not like youthful or <laughs> chill or yeah hip or anything <laughs> They have, she's gotten them like a whole entertainment center. That I do like. Though. Yeah, I know. That would be wonderful. I gave my Rory's bookshelf in this scene. I know what you're thinking. What? Why didn't I give it to Lord of the Rings? But I have so many other nominations around the Lord of the Rings stuff. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to give it to something else. And I, I'm giving it to uh, when Emily calls. So she calls to check up on Rory and see how she likes the room. She points out the entertainment center and then tells them that the the electronics guy suggested that they play Pink Floyd's The Dark Side of the Moon to ch- test out the sound system, which would be cool and trippy, that album. So that album is my Rory's bookshelf because, not because I listen to it that much more any anymore these days, but when I was learning how to drive, it was the only CD in my dad's car. So I remember very vividly that entire album with me driving around town and in parking lots and my dad sitting there next to me nervous. <laughs> so it's a foundational album to me. It That's also a good memory. It's a great, great uh, album for, yeah, surround sound and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that is good. I also had a nomination related to the phone call. When Emily first speaks, she says... I was going to wait until you called, but my life's not as long as yours. (laughs) And that was my just sass attack. 
just it was just it was just perfect. Great. So quippy. Um but essentially their exchange on the phone, Rory is sort of hedging her concerns. You know, she mentioned she's worried what her roommates will think. Um, that's not just her place. She's really shocked, I think. And then on Emily's side, she is saying, you know, my granddaughter my granddaughter's a Yaley now. There's like a certain life you're supposed to be living. She says Never underestimate the value of the upper hand. You're in the real world now. You need status and essentially like social capital. And I found that fascinating because she really just like articulated so much of what we've discussed with Emily and the way she lives her life and the way she uses consumption and things like that. And in a way, I felt like Emily sort of was right in the way that it seems like all of the roommates so far, even Paris, are like deferring to Rory. Like Paris later on, we'll talk about how she's like asking Rory, like, is it okay to have the door open? But we don't see her asking like Janet or Tana. Like, I don't know. I um, I'm like, I feel like Rory does have this sort of like status and social capital that not everyone in the show has. Um, yeah. I don't know. What did you think about this? I I totally agree, and I also thought it was really interesting to see the parallels between the sentiment from Emily, and then when Paris is trying to convince Rory to let them have the common room open for the party, because she's also, in a way, trying to gain social status, in like, she's also trying to reinvent herself, which obviously is not going to happen, but <laughs> she's really trying to be the best room at the party, and, like, be the have the social capital that Emily's talking about. So I just thought it was Mm -hmm. interesting, the kind of power plays that come along with starting something new in your life. And especially when it's like so deeply social, you know, like college. Yeah, it will be something interesting to explore the social dynamics and hierarchies of Yale and Rory's life as an adult and whatnot, because there's plenty of that at Chilton and whatnot, but like we have not left social hierarchies behind at Yale. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So meanwhile, in Stars Hollow, um, do you want to talk a bit about this catering idea that we get from Suki and Lorelai? Sure. So <laughs> Lorelai and Suki are still working on their plans for the Independence Inn or the Dragonfly Inn. Um, and Lorelai has gotten a quote from a contractor who I think we can assume is Tom (laughs) and it's way more than they had been expecting Um, which after watching a lot of HGTV like you know that's normal you should have been expecting that it would be more than you expected (laughs) but anyways Suki has found kind of a side gig for them she proposes that they start kind of a catering business in the meantime as they're waiting for the inn to get all started up. And then she reveals that they already have a gig that she's agreed to, <laughs> which is a birthday party for an eight-year-old. Um, so they'll be catering that. Lorelai kind of, she's our, she's trepidatious at the beginning, but then she, she seems to get on board with it more or less. And she's also mentioning some things that Suki could potentially cater at this, like pizza bites, that kind of thing, uh, mm-hmm. which will come back, come back up later. Um, but yeah, that's that's going to be the main Stars Hollow storyline and my favorite storyline. 
Yes. And we wrap up the day in Stars Hollow with Lorelai getting a phone call from Rory a bit later on with Rory filling her in on the whole total invasion of privacy situation. And it's very fun to feel like this is a sort of tables turned moment with Rory going on and on about like Emily is thinking this is her life, but it's my life. And Lorelai is kind of just eating her takeout food like welcome to my life (laughs) like this has been my whole life experience and now she is doing this to you and they sort of act out the conversation and Lorelai takes on the role of Emily and everything she would say to Rory like I was doing it for this this and this reason so I thought it was humorous and the other added sort of funny bit they've got going on here is Janet who Mm -hmm. we did see very initially entering the room earlier but now we get a bit more of her she's like in sweats she's drinking water she's been out jogging like she then gets on an exercise ball in front of Rory (laughs) so awkward it's like it's it's curious because she gets no lines in this episode it's not ever clear why she wasn't there on move-in day (laughs) and her whole personality seems to be she is a runner Mm -hmm. and like a jock What do you make of their introduction and, like, characterization of Janet? I thought it was a perfect, uh, another perfect example of how Lorelai and Rory are the not like other girls. And (laughs) all these other different types of girls are, like, worthy of being mocked by them. Mm. Because Janet definitely, like, kind of represents the more um, athletic girls, like the people who put more spend more time doing physical stuff and we've talked multiple times especially with the fat phobia and stuff in the series how Rory and Lorelai have the look of somebody like that but then they have like they mock people who run and they they (laughs) have voracious appetites and everything and nothing seems to mar them so I just thought it's another example of them kind of being not like other girls they can They can look like Janet without having to do what Janet does and all that Mm -hmm. kind of weird stuff. Also, just making fun of anybody who's not exactly like them. It's just, you know. Yeah. Annoying. But also the stuff that they were having Janet do in this scene was hilarious. (laughs) So. (laughs) I enjoyed the physical comedy bit of her doing all of this stuff like right in front of Rory wordlessly. Mm seeming to not be bothered by the fact that Rory's like uh, having a conversation there's like no acknowledgement between the two of them but I agree with everything you said about the use of kind of like an archetype that they're sort of making fun of this like jock type of girl yeah it is just another way to make Rory stand out from everybody around her just like with the mean girls in last episode yeah like to show that Rory's different (laughs) agreed She's not like other girls. (laughs) Not like other girls. (laughs) Okay, so our next scene is at the Gilmore's house, and Emily is letting Richard know that we have a new character arriving in Mm. our show. (laughs) Uh, She says, Jason Stiles is called, and Emily has invited him over tomorrow against Richard's protest because he doesn't really want to have anything to do with Jason because he is the son of the you know boss at the company that fired Richard which was you know the big plot line a couple seasons ago 
Um, so Emily is sort of maybe overstepped in Richard's opinion of inviting him. And Richard is like, I'm not even going to invite him for a drink. Like, I'm just going to talk to him and then send him on his way. And he's very apprehensive and whatnot. On the whole Jason Siles front, I refuse to call him Digger, his nickname. <laughs> yeah. That comes up multiple times. He's going to be Jason on this podcast, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Digger is just like, I don't know, it just feels gross in a way, you know, like a mm-hmm. kind of frat boy nickname for people. Yeah. <laughs> and Jason is, I know that um, one of our Gilmore Girl creator friends, Soraya from the Women of Qu- Questionable Morals podcast, is a huge Jason Styles fan. Mm-hmm. And I'm not not a fan of Jason. <laughs> I think he's got a lot of, he's really, he's an interesting character. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I think we'll also have to talk a lot more about neuro, neurodivergence when we get to more into his character later on. But mm. yeah, he's an interesting character who deserves more than just to be called Digger. <laughs> yeah, I agree. He, I think what like makes me feel so... Um, ambivalent about him is that I view him as like a love interest for Lorelai mm-hmm. and then it's very much like it's so close to the Luke thing and then also like I just think of him as a person who would never really be suited for Lorelai you know so I think maybe my goal will be to view him more just as a standalone character yeah. in his own right and um, and in that way I do think it is super interesting that he kind of is here to be like I want to piss off my dad and um, not just like because I'm jumping ahead a little bit when Richard asks him why he wants to piss off his dad like do you hate him and he says like I don't necessarily hate him but I want to like be my own person which is a sort of interesting answer of like I'm not sure it's true like maybe he does hate him and he just wants to say that but it gives me very much like Logan vibes of like yeah. I'm under my dad's shadow and I want to do my own thing and all of that. So yeah, we'll see where we go with Jason. And we'll get more of him in a couple scenes also. Yes, we will. After this, our next scene, we're back at Yale and this is when Paris brings up the idea of having their room open for the party. So the idea for this party is that all of the suites open up their door to their common room and then everybody from <clears throat> from the dorm building like comes and uh, mingles throughout the whole building, meeting people and all that kind of stuff. And Paris really wants to do this because she really thinks that she's going to uh, like get a name for herself, like start uh, kind of reinventing herself after Chilton. And this is how she's going to do it. She needs to start off with socializing right away, which I kind of agree with. I'm the type of person is like if I put off making new friends in a new living situation for too long I'll get too comfortable and then just never make any friends ever (laughs) so (laughs) I think Paris has the right idea that you want to kind of jump in at the very beginning when everybody else is also nervous so you at least have that kind of similarity with people to get you off on a conversation but uh, Rory doesn't think that she wants to do this She'd rather have a quiet night in, uh, which makes sense from, like, she grew up as the only child in a household where she, she and her mom would often have just nights in, you know, so it makes mm-hmm. sense, especially after a long week, first week of classes, it'd be overwhelming, but Paris is pretty adamant. Yeah. yeah. I did see both sides of the 
question and I thought a good compromise would be having the common room open but their individual rooms closed which does seem to be what ends up happening in the end even though they don't frame it as a compromise but it's kind of like yeah you could be at the party and then if you're overwhelmed you could go off to your room um, because I'm like very 50-50 on what I would also want to do <laughs> on that Friday. And I think that was also Roy's kind of thing. Like, I'm not sure what I'll want on Friday, you know? And it's very much like, yeah, I might want to try to meet new people or I might want to just go like collapse in my room. Mm-hmm. So I understand, I understand it. Yeah. Yeah. The next scene we have is more stuff in Stars Hollow around the Lord of the Rings party coming up. Lorelai has made all of these Lord of the Rings costumes for the kids, which is kind of going be above and beyond what I imagine a party planner needs to do, <laughs> especially kind of last minute party planner, um, but still very cool. Uh, Lane, this is the only time we see Lane this whole episode, and she's bringing in a horn and a bow um, from from the antique store to be props, of course, in this party, the horn, like... It's it's humongous. It looks more like the horn in Helm's Deep than uh, <laughs> the Horn of Gondor, but it's going to be the Horn of Gondor, so that works. And then a bow, of course, for Legolas. And then a cape, because like a lot of people wear yeah. capes, I think they say. <laughs> Which is true. Everyone wears a cape. It's just yeah, part yeah. of the wardrobe. Lane's appearance was my Star's Hollow moment. I think because partially I was just so glad to see one of my beloved Stars Hollow characters. We're in episode three and this was her first appearance in the season and it's brief here. Um, But I like that even, you know, it's so small town of her to have been roped into this party planning as well and that she's kind of still there. Though we seem to get this brief update about her school she got yeah. in trouble for wearing a bracelet and she had to sit next to someone who got in trouble for wearing nail polish, I believe. So we we get the sense that there will be more to come on her um, her school situation. Mm-hmm. I don't buy that she's in a school. Like, they're not writing her as if she's actually in, like, gone to college. And mm-hmm. they don't, they continue to not write her like that. Like, I don't think that there's ever... I can barely think of any other instances where she even mentions the school that she's going to. Yeah. And it, I guess it must be like a commuter school that she stays at home and commutes there because the way that she's talking about it and like she's in Stars Hollow right now in the middle of the week, she's obviously not living there. They just aren't doing a convincing job of making Lane a college student right now. (laughs) Yeah, they don't, they just like, they never even give us... Uh, this is the school she's mm-hmm. at. This is her situation moment. We're kind of just dropped in, like she's sharing an anecdote that we vaguely know the context of. So I, I agree. I think that's a good point that like they have dropped the ball on that for sure. <laughs> Poor Lane. She deserves Poor more. Lane. Was this really the first time we'd seen her the whole season? Yeah. Gosh, yeah. that's so unfair. I know. I know. Well, speaking of things that are unfair. Lorelai gets a phone call from Paris who wants to rant to her about Rory. She believes her situation is unfair, that uh, Rory won't let her have the room open, I guess. And Rory intercedes. She's like, why Why are you talking to my mom? And so then it turns into a phone call between Rory and Lorelai. And 
Lorelai is like gently on Paris's side. You know, she's not taking a harsh stance, but she is explaining this and framing it as like, well, you know, it's not only about making friends. It's also about having experiences and you're not like going to always enjoy them, but it's an experience essentially. And I, I really appreciated this explanation because you know, sometimes I think we think of Lorelai as pushing Rory into like social situations that Rory isn't always like inclined to do. Um, and it's interesting to think of Lorelai as like maybe wanting her to have that experience, not necessarily expecting her to be like bond perfectly with the friends now or become like that. I don't know. I guess I'm just thinking of like, I also did things in college based on sort of having the experience and then as she says, like, that's how you know it's not for you, you know, mm-hmm. like you kind of have to go out and this is sort of the time to be doing that. Um, so, yeah, I kind of liked her explanation. What yeah. did you think? I agree. I kind of wish I had had some somebody say something like this to me when I was in college. I, like, didn't realize at all that I was autistic at that point. So that mm-hmm. made a huge de- deal. I, bar- I didn't make barely any friends in college except for people that I worked with at a job and it was because I was just like constantly overwhelmed with everything and Mm -hmm. I missed out on a lot of the kind of initial experiences that I think would have eased me into it a little bit more that I like have done in future experiences that helped a lot and so I think that Lorelai suggesting just to do this like give it a shot if it's not if you don't like it then that's okay especially with her having her own room closed it like it does make a difference to just kind of try things especially at the very beginning as i said earlier when everybody's nervous so you have yeah. that in common with people already and people aren't judging you as harshly um so yeah i i really appreciated this from Lorelai yeah. for Rory right like if you if you have your door open for this party, it doesn't mean you have to do that for every Friday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it doesn't yeah. mean you're a partier now. It just means like let's see what the experience is about. Um, although I will say like I went to so few parties yeah. as a freshman. <laughs> like I had a hard time even hearing about them based on the friends I had. Um, so I think my first party I went to was on like Halloween. So yeah, that's in October. <laughs> But this also doesn't seem quite to be like um, parties mm-hmm. that were going on at my time of college. Like, yeah. we would 100% not be allowed to have a party with alcohol in our dorm. There were like strict rules against alcohol. And like, we were an all girls dorm too. So there's also that factor. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, interesting to see the depiction of the whole like party scene at Yale here too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I really wonder whether it's accurate because I, I do get the feeling that this party is sanctioned by the dorm building, like the open mm-hmm. door They're not thing. hiding it at all. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I have a really hard time believing that the dorm would sanction something and then allow alcohol to be there, especially when there's RAs, you would assume, who are have a responsibility to watch the freshmen. So I think they're just Where's trying to... Where's Tess? Where's yeah. Tess? <laughs> I think they're just trying to like up the ante or something. But. Yeah, unless college was super different in 2003 yeah which I I don't know I don't I mean I was in college just six years later I don't feel like it was mm-hmm. that it could have changed that much <laughs> right. but I also wasn't in an Ivy League school I didn't have these fancy dorms where I just where you could like 
sit down and hang out with people not sitting on people's beds (laughs) so yeah (laughs) different experience yeah stars hollow has changed i feel it in the square i feel it in the breeze i smell it in the coffee one that once was is at yale for none now are ice cream queens. it began with the lighting of the chafing dish blanched carrots were given to the children baked brie was given to the adults and a rum raisin tropical fruit ganache was given to lorelei who above all desired pizza bites for within that kitchen was a chef who was delusional with the taste buds of a grown adult. But the businessmen were deceived, for another deal was struck. In the mahogany of Richard's office at the executive desk, Jason Stiles proposed a betrayal, a partnership to ruin his father's life, and into this deal he poured his clients, his pettiness, and his desire to humiliate his old man. One by one, the common rooms filled with drunk teens, but there were some who resisted. A last alliance of introverts and antisocials banded together against the inebriated, and in the common room of Rory and Paris, they were thrown out. Victory was near, but the disrobing power of, of the beer could not be undone. It was in this moment that Rory, the introvert, took off her robe and covered the naked guy. Drunkenness, the enemy of the unsociable, was mortified. <laughs> I will move us ahead to our next day. This is like, there's that episode early on. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Season one, a tale of two parties, remember? Mm, (laughs) This is the same thing. It's a day (laughs) of two parties, one at Yale and then one in Stars Hollow. So we're going to cover the Yale party first and then turn to the (laughs) L-O-T-R birthday party. (laughs) I always type that. The lotter. Um, Lotter. That's That's funny. Okay. There's a very brief pre-party scene uh, where Tana tries on Rory's Chilton uniform. And it's interesting, you know, because we talked so much about her characterization last time. So it's interesting to note they have her as this like incredibly clueless person who doesn't seem to register that this is like an old school uniform and that it wouldn't be appropriate for a party. And so I don't, it's giving like the most extreme like homeschool vibes of like just hasn't been exposed to things but even then it feels a bit far-fetched um earlier also there's a brief moment with her where she asked Rory like has this couch always been here did she add that fireplace and Rory's like that fireplace was there like let's take a tour of the room so like I don't know they're painting Tana as a very like are we like is it supposed to be she's brilliant but so out of 
touch like in her brain not in surround not in her surroundings I don't really know but um yeah that's our Tana update (laughs) what they're doing with these roommates is just weird weird choices questionable and it kind of it makes sense then why Rory never makes any friends other than Paris for the rest of college because this is the kind of characters that they're giving her Mm -hmm. like not fully fledged characters they're just like caricatures that's a good point. She's surrounded by caricatures except for Paris. Yeah. Um, and then some of the newspaper people when we get there, I think. Yeah, that's true. Um, but from here, we get a bunch of different scenes at this party. So we can hit some highlights. What is a party moment that you would like to run through? Um, I just loved Paris throughout this whole party situation. <laughs> like she was... She was treating this like a test almost. She was going by (laughs) and judging all the other rooms. Like she reported back to Rory what the other rooms were doing, what their themes were and stuff. And they had discussed this before, what their theme was going to be and landed kind of on just like a discussion room, like normal room, nothing fancy. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I liked that she had these expectations for the party and like what socializing would be like and then none of it met her expectations she just she mostly I think wanted to just scope everybody else out mm-hmm. prove that she could be better if she wanted to and then decide that she didn't want to <laughs> yeah which I appreciate yeah she was like treating it all very like biz business networking-esque mm-hmm. like the way she was going around I, I'm trying to recall wasn't she saying like Periskeller, room, something. Yeah. Like, she was introducing herself very formally and trying to, like, talk to every single person. It actually reminded me briefly of um, Susie from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel when she starts going, they're on the tour, and she, doesn't uh. she, like, introduce herself to every staff member with, like, a tip? Yeah. She's like, Susie Meyerson or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Like, this is what you're supposed to do in this situation, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. And by the end, she is just so frustrated with, like, the level of socialization that she finds. But, I mean, I'm like, it's your freshman dorm. Like, she has no patience for the drunk people. <laughs> what was <no. laughs> what was your standout moment from the party? It has to be Madeline and Louise yeah. making an appearance. So, so random, but appreciated. So <laughs> random. I had no memory of it. Yeah. And when we talked to Shelly Cole, she mentioned the spring break episode and how like memorable and important that was to her and none of us mentioned this random cameo at Yale so I don't think any of us remembered it (laughs) yeah and it must like the spring break was a couple years later so I'm that makes a lot of sense like this one might have been filmed just like a few months after the end of filming for season three so I guess that makes sense but yeah I'm still not entirely sure why they were there (laughs) I really wonder, like, part part of me wonders if they were testing the waters uh. of having Madeline and Louise as recurring characters at Yale. Like, yeah. would this fit? Would this make sense? Like, can we just say they're visiting different parties around the country as the reason that they're there? And I think the answer must have been no, mm-hmm. <laughs> because they don't come back again. But that's kind of what I had said last time of, like, if you're going to make paris be there because you want her there and it's the character we know and love might as well just throw in other characters we like Mm -hmm. and they kind of tried that and then i think decided against it but 
It was nice to see them briefly. They're there. They barely talk to Rory. They want to go hit on some guys and stuff. So um, nice. See you again on spring break. Yeah. Good to see you, ladies. <laughs> a couple years from now. We also mm-hmm. almost, we get a recurrence of the boy from the classroom who we find yeah. out later is Marty. Rory sees him kind of across the room-ish and she almost goes up to talk to him but then she is waylaid by these two girls who end up being, they, they've been sent by Emily through Emily's social network to like kind of adopt Rory into their social network. And it's clear from the very beginning that they're not vibing together. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember these girls' names, but they were, again, characters, like super annoying, kind of yeah. uh, like ditzy socialite girls. Right. Um. I wrote down their names, but I think I must have had a typo because I wrote Kick and Mickey, but surely they're not, one of them isn't named Nick Kick. Maybe, I don't know, but Mickey, I think, was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> but they're obsessed with giving nicknames for some reason. Uh, yeah, Paris calls them obligation friends, mm-hmm. which I thought was really hilarious, but that would only be true if Rory actually wanted to be their friend, but Rory is very visibly not interested, and I love when... Parrish does decide to kick everyone out that Rory kind of goes, oh, my roommate, I'm sorry, what could I do? Call me. Like, she's so happy to have them out of her life as well. Yeah, Paris kicking everybody out of the party because one drunk guy tries to talk to her is my out of our Ivy League moment. Not because it's it's unrelatable, but because it's so Mm. relatable. But this party situation is unrelatable. So I just loved that she did that. And she was like, she so clearly, as I said, had these expectations and then realized that they were not being met and kicked everybody mm-hmm. out. It was very satisfying because yeah. it just seemed, they didn't seem comfortable. I It reminds me so much of the Asher Fleming wake that'll come up later. <laughs> That's such a different vibe, but a, like same setting and everything. So... Yeah, I liked that even though Paris had been pushing for this and Rory was hesitant at the end, they're bonding over the fact that both of them aren't having fun. And Paris is sort of like, is this what it's supposed to be like? Like they are together on the same page on that. So it's kind of ironic of like she was seeking to make an impression on people outside of them, make the new connections and stuff. But really this is sort of like a moment of, Paris and Rory I don't know if they grow closer from it but it does show like how they will be fairly similar and potentially can rely on each other in college and things like that as we will as we'll come to see I think the the final thing to note after the party is this um fairly I guess iconic scene um which I did nominate as my gazebo moment I think because I was thinking about Lorelai's comment about college experiences and what is this if not a very like Roy's first big college experience of just finding this naked guy in the on the ground and I feel like um this whole episode is sort of some of our first college experiences with the show mm-hmm. and seeing how they handle them and we're getting into a new sort of level of maturity it's sort of you know like harry potter had to like be like we're older now and they're also sort of doing this so they're raising the stakes by being like 
we have a naked guy here yeah. and that's fairly like grown up in a way um she he's passed out he's drunk too much we can assume and he um he's worried his reputation will be the naked guy and so rory helps him out by giving her giving him her her robe and saying like probably nobody walked past you you're probably okay and for a second i wondered like will this be the first penis that rory (laughs) sees in her life um, it's definitely but she turns around. the first naked man butt that she's seen in her life, I'd assume. Yeah. <laughs> the camera does a very nice way of shadowing. You know, we mm-hmm. don't really see much. But yeah, she probably did see some naked <laughs> butt there. And I guess my question is like, they made sure to include a guy mm-hmm. of interest. Like, this isn't like another girl that she met at class that she sees again and goes to talk to her. It's like this dude. I don't know. Like... What do you think of Marty, I guess, yeah. in this episode? <laughs> I think I kind of know what you're getting at. Like, they they have introduced these other girls, but as we've said, they've all been non-characters. And Marty, mm. he's not quite like that. Like, so far, he has he's barely gotten any lines, and he is kind of in there for a comedic effect in this scene, but he's also mm-hmm. treated almost like a potential in other scenes. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's... It's an interesting choice. And then the fact that he just kind of fizzles and then shows up much later for Mm -hmm. a terrible storyline. I don't know. (laughs) I like Marty. Yeah. And I like the actor. The only other thing I've seen him in was Rent. And he was was in just like a couple scenes where he was part of a chorus. He was like at the, what's it called? Like the AA type thing. But yeah, he sings in Rent and he's really good. And I like the character. I think he could have been a potential for Rory, but like he was just friend zoned potentially from mm-hmm. this scene. Rory got the ick or something, but it was just <laughs> never going to go anywhere with them. But I like him. He's a cool guy. I Yeah, I agree. He's a cool guy. Yeah, I also see like a parallel between him and Rory. They're super similar. Mm-hmm. And in this episode, they're like doing the same things. They're both at class yeah. early. They see each other at the party and then... They're both like, I kind of get the feeling Marty's also trying to get out of his comfort zone and do something. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't have a Paris to kick everybody out. <laughs> yeah, that's that is kind. That's a good description of it. They're like doubles in this episode, and I think you put, phrase it nicely of like the other the girls we meet are kind of caricatures or non-starters, whereas he, as a guy slash potential love interest, does get to be a bit more complicated and is part of a storytelling device of the whole doubling of their shared college experience so it's interesting yeah poor marty he will be the naked guy forever in my mind forever (laughs) in our minds (laughs) but okay from here we move to a far more fabulous birthday party (laughs) um take it away so my first thought on this birthday party is these kids are seven and eight and I feel like watching Lord of the Rings <laughs> at that age might be a little bit too soon. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, so we are at this party and it's set up amazingly. Um, Lorelai, as we know, has gotten them all costumes and the little kids in their costumes get my Lorelai's closet for the episode. They're Very like good. our girls dressed as like Galadriel and elf costumes. They're kids very clearly hobbits there are dwarves there's like little uh 
Legolas's and Aragorn's and everything. <laughs> and one of the kids, they're kind of arguing about what Lord of the Rings is about. And Lorelai says it's about good versus evil. And one of the kids responds that it's actually about the destruction of all mankind. And I love that. It was hilarious. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they also have the iconic Legolas and Gandalf cardboard cutouts in the background yeah. <laughs> that I remember so clearly from movie theaters. And I wanted one so badly. Mm-hmm. But my parents thought it was a waste of money and they were probably right. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> well, you can always buy it buy them for yourself now that that's you have true. a real job yeah that's true <laughs> my bedroom is lacking in decor though i don't really want yeah. i don't really want cardboard cutouts in them my bedroom watching over you <laughs> i have overall quite positive feelings about this party but i do have my friday night dinner critique in this scene um and it's just an interesting choice for dialogue. One of the kids uses the R word directed at another kid. And this was like a big shock to me because you would never hear this on TV today or really in conversation with anyone. And I really, I clearly remember like a transition or a shift of the whole kind, like a movement almost of like, don't say the R word. And I was curious when that started. So I did a bit of research and I don't know exactly when it started, but I did find the webpage of a um, organization and they had the spread the word to end the word campaign that began in 2009. Okay. And it was like a student created campaign and I didn't realize it was that much later. So this is, you know, six years before that. And if we could think like maybe the sentiment could have began before that, but I guess maybe at this time it was more commonly accepted But I would just highlight as a bit of extra context here that on the webpage about the spread the word, they talk about how the U.S. federal law changed the terminology officially to be intellectual disability in 2010 and that in general, person first language is often preferred. So like person with an intellectual disability. So yeah, I was just like, wow, that that was they said that okay you wouldn't say that anymore yeah times have changed at least thankfully in that regard I feel like we still have a lot a lot to go from there (laughs) yeah sometimes like when there's like bad stuff we're like oh stuff has changed but not a hundred percent but I actually feel like with this one yeah it does feel like very changed actually never Um, hear people say that I mean except for like serious assholes you know right right (laughs) So part of this party setup is also Sookie's food, of course. And Lorelai at one point goes in to check on her as she's getting everything set up. Sookie has covered up the amazing Lord of the Rings tablecloths that are like just the faces of the characters on these plastic tablecloths. And there are plastic plates in the background with all the character faces. Like this is, this would have been my... My birthday party dream at like 11, but mm-hmm. I mean, my parents didn't have the Lorelai and Suki budget, so. <laughs> but she's also setting up a chafing dish, which Lorelai immediately clocks as <laughs> potential disaster because it has an open flame to keep it hot. And also just the fact that the whole container would be super hot, potentially burning the children. Um, and she also begins to notice a trend in the food that Suki is preparing, there's like blanched vegetables, uh, 
and all sorts of kind of fancy appetizers like brie and stuff just like you know Mm -hmm. not kid foods it's already hard enough to get kids to eat vegetables blanching them I don't know if I've ever had blanched vegetables that I really liked you know (laughs) yeah they just kind of like take the flavor out of them I did give my gotta taste test to the brie that you mentioned it is a big thing of brie with lavender honey and Ooh. bourbon sugared pecans, Delicious. which sounds great for me, an adult. But mm-hmm. as a kid, I would I would not have eaten that. I'd be like, "Where's my like craft singles, yeah. American cheese, or um, the cheese in Lunchables was good." I liked Parmesan a lot, yeah. actually. So you know, um, I found this storyline with the whole Suki like either willfully or super unknowingly like not understanding what kids eat I found it frustrating and a little hard to believe um I like the way that they wrap it up in the end with her feeling like oh do I understand children am I going to be a good mom I'm really concerned and worried and then Laura like comforts her I really feel like they bring it home super well but in these scenes, I just found myself getting really frustrated of like the way they're treating like they make it seem like Lorelai is the super capable, noble yeah. one compared to Suki, um, whose idea it was in the first place. And like, I don't know, she's been a chef for so long. Like, are you telling me she really doesn't know that kids wouldn't like this stuff? Like, doesn't the inn have a kid's menu, <laughs> I would think? Like, um, I guess maybe you could think of it as like she's just so much into being a chef and cooking and the art of it that she like doesn't see the audience like at the end of the day she's a chef a good chef not a good caterer I could believe that but it didn't stop me from getting like aggravated watching this of like come on Suki like don't you know and I feel like she would know but I don't know how did you feel about it I agree I think I don't it was just so heavy-handed and I all the food sounded super delicious to me, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that they so often try and make Suki come off as like ditzy and kind of feather-brained and stuff, but she's not that way most of the time. So when they do make her like that, as you said, it really just kind of works to like juxtapose her against Lorelai as this like person who can handle everything. And I also just. For pe- two people who have worked together for years and they went over all the other party planning stuff together and they're just starting this catering business out they would have checked the menu with each other i think they have a budget mm-hmm. you know i i assume i mean they're trying to not spend a lot of money so they can do stuff with the dragonfly i'm assuming they have a budget and it seems like lorelei is the one who's in charge of that kind of stuff so it just makes no sense that this would have been a surprise <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was just a heavy-handed storyline that made me hungry. <laughs> that Yeah, that made us hungry. It does come to a head in the next scene, which we talked a little bit already, but Lorelai goes into the kitchen and learns that the only thing for the kids is jalapeno chipotle mac and cheese, and it's green. That's my gotta-taste test. That sounds nice. so good. <laughs> I agree. So they kind of go back and forth about this, how they are frustrated with each other. And it boils down to Suki then expressing um, that she thinks she can't be a mom because she doesn't understand kids. And I love that she says, like, 
I don't even like kids. Like when people are at a gathering and they're watching the kids like put on a show, I'm just like off in a different room. And I find that incredibly related, relatable because I've also been thinking about having kids someday. And I'm like, I think I'll like my own, but I'm definitely not just like a natural with children. I, I get so, I think my problem is I get I don't like being bored and I get so bored with kids like my patience is way too low like I can interact with kids for a little while and then I'm like okay this has been (laughs) fine like yeah (laughs) I want to be able to have a conversation with people so come to me when like they're in high school I guess but um I found I really liked this and the way that Lorelai was able to comfort her you know bring up how she was good with Rory uh stuff like that how do you feel Yeah, part of what brings this whole scene on is that a kid comes in from watching (laughs) Lord of the Rings, which is my gazebo moment. They're watching Return Mm. Return of the King, and it's specifically the Osgiliath scene, which is great. I'm assuming they're not watching the extended version, but there's a great extra scene in the extended version there. But one of the kids comes in looking for a snack, and she, like, picks something up off of the table, puts it in her mouth, and then puts it back, and... Uh, Suki just like goes off on her starts yelling at her um and the kid there her face like scrunches up and she nearly cries Lorelai saves the day with a juice box but yeah the that bringing on the whole revelation for Suki is kind of I also think that's slightly heavy-handed I don't feel like Mm. there Suki would ever actually yell at a kid but I do like that she had this realization I feel like it is probably a sentiment a lot of people have um where they're not a fan of kids in general and also like you don't know how to deal with kids until you have one I think like no matter how much you prepare um I'm looking at a weekend long babysitting of my niece and nephew I'm slightly terrified because I don't have children and I've never (laughs) never had to deal with them So once I come back from that, I'll be harrowed and I will be able to tell you a little bit of what Suki feels like. But yeah, that's like when I, you know, I was cat sitting and occasionally I would text you questions about like, is this normal for a cat to do this? And you'd let me know, um, like it would be something similar. Maybe you have someone in your life where you'd be like, is it normal for a kid to do that? Like, (laughs) I'll just, I'll just be calling my own mom. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, As you mentioned, at the start of this scene, they are watching The Lord of the Rings on, like, the TV at the party. And I nominated that as my Rory's bookshelf. You know, so many different options for Lord of the Rings nominations here. But specifically, like, a movie viewing party I wanted to highlight because, you know, Rory and Paris have a shitty experience with the party at college and I think over time it's like you can learn that as an adult you can have a Lord of the Rings party mm-hmm. and drink and eat food like yep the there's not just party. one standard for socializing right yeah. so I'm like this is a fun party and Rory could have this party too it's not like either or mm-hmm. you know so I wanted to highlight that there's the inspiring message of you can party in many different ways and I love a good getting together to watch tv or movies kind of party. yeah <laughs> I do think it's slightly again unrealistic that eight-year-olds are doing this for Sitting long down movies for that long of a movie <laughs> yeah I agree and also again I'm not a parent but 
I didn't, obviously, I didn't see the Lord of the Rings movies until I was like 10 and 11 when they came out in theaters. And I had already read the books by then, but at eight years old, I don't think my parents would have let me watch the movies. But, you know, parenting, everybody everybody has different different ideas. To each their own, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would be my ideal birthday party even now, just saying. Maybe with I'll Sookie's food. My, yeah, totally. Some brie yeah. and mac and cheese. <laughs> All right. That wraps up the birthday party. Meanwhile, the Gilmores are having their social call from Jason. And Jason arrives and Emily greets him very pleasantly. And I thought this was so ironic. And I like that they set it up this way of like, Emily's the one who brings Jason into Mm -hmm. their lives and thinks he's so great until he becomes, you know, Richard's business partner. And then they're going to butt heads so much. So I found it, I was like, so ironic that she was so um, pleasant with him at first here while Richard is like the apprehensive one, how the tables will turn, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. <laughs> yeah, he comes in and he goes to talk to Richard, who, as you say, is very grumpy at the prospect of having to deal with Jason Styles, And it ends up that Jason's proposal is that he becomes Richard's business partner as I guess in season two, Richard started his own insurance practice after he was booted from the mm-hmm. other one, which Jason uh, Jason's dad is now in charge of. And Richard is sure that Jason is trolling him at this, like that it's all a joke. <laughs> but Jason, he really wants to do this and he wants to do it to screw over his dad, more or less. Um, he wants to take all of his clients with him, which I guess I don't, really don't know anything about the insurance world, but probably means all the money from all those clients. So it would boost Richard's practice up a lot and take a lot from his dad's practice. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to note something, and I'm curious whether you agree, but I think that Jason, the way that Jason talks and his like kind of vocal cadence and everything reminds me of Dave, do you hear that at all? Hmm. I don't know. I didn't specifically think of Dave, but I think like what the what it is is like the he is like the ASP, the Gilmore Girls guy. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like there's certain of certain of the boys, the love interests get to be like akin to Lorelai and Rory, and not all of them are, but like Dave um Jason maybe even a bit Logan or some where it's just like they're just so like the witty the quick talking yeah, the like just... I don't know but I think you're right to notice he has very distinct like ways of talking and it just feels very of Gilmore mm-hmm. Girls to me <laughs> yeah eventually Richard comes around to the idea mostly because he also kind of relishes the thought of screwing over Jason's dad He asks Jason why he wants to do this, and really he just wants to see his dad kind of aghast at Jason doing his own thing, like uh, deviating from the plan and all of that. He just wants to, I don't know, have an effect on his father, it seems. (laughs) Yeah, he seems to have daddy problems, daddy issues. Yeah, (laughs) which will continue to pop up here and there. Yeah, I think we, so to kind of look ahead at the Friday night dinner, we get the answer of whether or not Richard says yes to this proposal and he does and this is when Emily learns the 
reason reason why Jason approached him. And this is when her opinion changes of him. And when she learns that essentially Jason wants revenge, I guess Mm -hmm. is the word I think Richard uses and or she uses. And she says she doesn't trust him anymore and views him as like a boy or a child for this reason. And I found myself thinking, like, should Richard have listened to Emily here? Like, because he does end up getting betrayed by Jason. Mm -hmm. I just think like, yeah, like when at the end of the day, you have to question like if he's willing to do this to his own father, like, yeah, how do you think he could turn on you? You know, like he's kind of revealing the the sort of person he is. And perhaps we're supposed to side with him a bit because we think of this guy as the person who like fucked Richard over, you know, so we're like, oh, this guy also wants to do that to that guy. So maybe we like him. But it's also sort of like. He's willing to do that to his own dad or or at least at the very least, he's someone who's willing to do like heartless business decision moves for like business and profit and stuff like that. And like you have to be careful with the sharks, you know, because they can turn on you at any time. So I thought Emily, like I guess I hadn't really thought before that Emily kind of warns him in this moment of like it's that's not a good reason for getting into business with someone when they have those motives yeah very true she was wise yep she always is wise (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah so our next scene and our last scene is friday night dinner back at the gilmore's and we don't get the introduction introduction of jason and lorelei yet we'll get that i think next episode probably um Mm -hmm. But Rory is planning to confront Emily about redoing her common room area. And Lorelai, of course, sees this going badly and predicts that mm-hmm. it uh, Emily will have all sorts of comebacks and everything. And Rory is still convinced that she's going to do this. Emily invites them in and uh, right away, Richard comes out with the um, announcement that he's going into business with Jason Stiles. And Rory never brings it up, and we end the, we end the episode with Laura like clucking like a chicken at Rory, and then it just pans mm-hmm. out from there. I thought that was a great end for an episode. I agree. So yeah, that is the episode. A lot happened. Yeah. Who was your MVP? Hmm. I forgot to. Who was your MVP? <laughs> My MVP was the kid who chose to have a Lord of the Rings birthday party. <laughs> I mean, nice. there weren't there weren't really many bad epi- moments in this episode, so pretty much anybody could have gone away with the MVP, but that kid has great taste, and mm-hmm. I'm jealous. I guess I'm going to go with um, the, I think his name was Aaron Thompson. Yeah, um, the okay. kid. <laughs> I'm going to go with Aaron Thompson's mom <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> for getting... A party planner and caterer only a mere like two days before the party and then they do all of this stuff and my thinking is like I bet Mrs. Thompson didn't really pay them that much Mm -hmm. and I bet both of them just kind of went over the top um or Mrs. Thompson does have enough money to be able to give them such a huge budget and kind of just give them full creative control so either way she's probably got a good life she either has a lot of money or got away with <laughs> paying little for a whole awesome party and 
it might be questionable the fact that she allowed swords at the party <laughs> and that she allowed these eight-year-olds to watch Lord of the Rings and all of that stuff. But, you know, I say to each their mm-hmm. own, can't judge moms, you know? So. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I think all in all, my real MVP would probably be like Rory. Um, but I want to have some diversity, <laughs> you know, across our episodes. Yeah. <laughs> it can't always just be our, our Gilmore girls getting our MVPs. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, all the accolades. Yeah. Well, on that note, uh, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And keep listening because we've got some pretty fun things coming in the next month or so. Uh, things to look forward to. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Talk soon. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us and share us with your friends. Join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. And join the conversation by emailing us your thoughts, talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com.